0: Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Yeah, and you would had quite a bit of coaching and everything like that, but again, that was another level. The thing is, the tough of the competition... bigger the lessons you can learn but the the (laughs) the trouble with that that i was i'm going to try and tap into is this is a life of high anxiety you know there's something about Mm. i I did competitive show jumping with horses re jumping everything for 16 years and sometimes against olympic riders and everything in the off season where they're training new horses and all and so (laughs) the high anxiety practicing in the ring and warming up before you're getting ready to go in all you're doing is riding around the ring and if a horse knocks down a rail so what you know it's not the first <laughs> time, but it's just like Ooh, you know i remember one time the trainer i was going around the ring right before i was going to go in and the trainer said stop jabbing him in the mouth and <laughs> I was thinking to myself, what's he talking about? My hands are perfectly still. And I looked down and my hands and were going, shaking. Oh. Oh. And the poor horse was going. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but it's that you're kind of an out of body experience mm. and building up to that. You know, from having done it so many times, everything's got to be there. You got to have the, mm. this and the other, you got to be the right. And you're already starting your countdown mentally. <laughs> and when things yeah. Well, it it seems like little things go wrong, but they can turn into actual high anxiety mind benders of it. Uh, totally, when you know yeah. that the countdown is already on to getting in that ring, and so that was a powerful lesson for you to learn. That like I'm going to do what I because we hear the thing they want to. Bring out here is we hear this all the time. You'd heard it a thousand times. Focus on what you can control. All you, (laughs) all you can do is the thing. Mindset is everything. But when you're in that moment like this, you're not thinking like, yeah, but this is another level (laughs) crisis, and you have to gather yourself up because it's Mm -hmm. some. There's a lot part of this where we have to coach ourselves and reel ourselves back in to say, okay. What can I do? And what you said to yourself was, okay, I've set things in motion to go find them and get them to the ring. And in the meantime, there's nobody else to call. There's nothing else yep. for me to do. I can't go get them. So now I'm going to get myself ready and assume that things are going to work out. That was a pretty powerful lesson for you.
1: It Was and I think it actually had a lot of uh, repercussions later for us as well. Where we started actually in our visualizations prior to the competition and in our preparation, we'd almost train for adversity, so right. we'd imagine like what could go wrong. Yeah. Okay, skates couldn't show up, bus gets delayed, or we have to take a whatever the thing was, you don't have the right food at the hotel that you could, whatever the thing is.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: and so we would plan for that and visualize that in our minds. And so it's about not thinking about bad things, but it's thinking about what is your response in that moment to how you deal with that? What is the next right step that I can take? So we did a lot of work on planning for that kind of adversity that could come our way. So then when it does come, you're much more equipped to deal with
0: it. Yeah, and that reminds me of Bobby Knight, the great basketball, college basketball Mm. coach, wrote a book about his like the power of negative thinking. (laughs) Mm. You yeah. Know, start thinking, well, what if this went wrong? What if this went wrong? How am I going to react that in that situation? Because you know things are not going to always go perfect. And so you might as For well sure. Think about sure how did that train? How did that change and what kind of advantage did that give you knowing uh, mm. to do that and preparing yourself like that?
1: I would say like to your point about like being anxious or getting worried, it created actually a, quite a sense of calm. Because then you know that you're equipped to deal with whatever comes your way and you've prepared for that and you have already the answer of how you're going to do that. So I remember actually feeling quite calm going into competition after that.
0: Yeah, and, more calm. So, and another one of those situations is now you've lost your athletic ability and you got to change careers. So it's like, what can I do? Yeah. I've got to focus now on what I can do because, you know, my body's not, my leg's not coming back. My skating leg and hip and everything is not my deep now. No. And no. so now what can I do? So talk about that transition.
1: Wow. It was actually so there's quite a sense of, of grief in that because you lose an identity in that moment. Ah. Um because you identify like I was, hi, I'm Kate, I'm a figure skater. That was who I was. It was everything that I am and had been for the last my whole life, essentially. And so there was a big sense of who am I? And who do I want to be? And what else can I do in this world? And I knew when I did make that decision to retire that I that there was much more to life than sport. And I was very intentional about making sure that I completed that as well, knowing that like I had done everything that I wanted with this sport. I had reached an elite level and learned a tremendous amount. And so I remember sitting in the fourth floor of my business school and calling my coach and telling her that this was it for me. But knowing that ultimately I wanted to do probably some sort of business or marketing or something like that. And so the transition for me was, I was very fortunate actually in one of my marketing classes, we had to do like presentations like you do, like this is our project. And, yeah. and one of the girls who was sitting in the very back of the class saw me present because I love to be on stage and perform. And that was oh. my nature. She came up to me after class. She said, you, you need to do case competitions. You need to, we, so at the school that I was at, they were very, very highly ranked in international case competitions for essentially you compete competed on a business case around the world. And so, so And what's,
0: what's a case competition?
1: I... Yeah. So essentially you have a business, could be any sort of business. They have a problem they're trying to solve and they bring it to a group of students to come up with the answer. And so you would, we've went to Spain. I went to Alberta. I went to a whole bunch of different ones. And so schools from all around the world come and compete at this competition to come up with the best solution to the company's problem. Um, And the the judges are the actual company who are trying to solve this problem. And so I got into that program and was fortunate enough to do very, very well there. And again, traveled the world and did competitions there and was able to channel that like performance competitor side of me into something uh, quite productive quite quickly. How long Um, did you do that? I would have done that for two, two and a half years.
0: Wow. What about experience you got now so you would show up in spain or someplace and you would have no idea what you were gonna the problem so how many other teams were there
1: the biggest one had 24 and so you have and there's two different cases so the first one is you have three hours to solve it so essentially you go into a room with your small team and every team gets the same case and then the best answer
0: or the best solution wins and then you have it all 24 make a presentation how are the presentations Usually about 30 minutes. Wow. So you gotta listen yeah. to 24 30 minute presentations. <laughs> I'm thinking that's twelve hours. And yeah. so it goes over two I'm days. Remember <laughs> what the first people said. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a good point.
1: And then the other then the other side of it is you have a 24 hour case, which means you get you can put a lot more research into it, takes a bit more time, is a more complete answer. And then ultimately they judge the winner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well like What I bet was great about that was you got a chance to hear other people's solutions too.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be the first one to go. (laughs) See how they
0: think. You know, expanding your awareness of options next time you got a problem solving, a problem to solve. So, uh,
1: and um, the beauty of that is you're being put in front of like big, big companies. Like we're talking the, the Facebooks, the blah, blah, like these massive enterprises who are coming to try to figure out these small problems by these students. And so a lot of the time people get hired directly from these case competitions and by the businesses that are putting on these cases.
0: Well, your ability to perform under pressure and to compete in high pressure environments in the spotlight had to serve you well during that.
1: Very, very much so. And be able to like, think quickly, adapt to the questions that they're asking. But I will say it was, it was a very different, very different muscle because it's no longer about your physical body doing the performance. It's about your mind and your words. And so there's definitely an adaption there, but I tried to approach it with a similar way that I would standing on on the ice.
0: For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compressed them into a free webinar. That's right, it's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million-dollar earners, register now at WeidelOnWinning.com you'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. So did you get hired out of that process or did you say, this is great, but I'm going to do my own thing?
1: I did. That is how I got into Lightspeed, which is In Canada, one of the biggest tech unicorns to ever come out of Montreal, they IPO'd in
0: one of the biggest tech, one of the biggest,
1: unicorn, unicorn, Uh, yeah, one of the biggest tech
0: tech unicorn,
1: essentially, the actual definition is you've reached a billion dollar valuation. Okay. Yeah. So I was um, employee number uh, around 150. And so I was due to these competitions was working with them. And they said, we need to hire you. And I said, I have two years left of school. They're like, we don't care. Come work for us. And so I actually ended up working full time and putting my school part time. And would so we do both at the same time. It ended up being quite a crazy whirlwind. And then I went through the ranks of their marketing team and ultimately the, the company IPO'd in, in 2019. How did, that,
0: how did you transition through that? And are you still in that? Is that where you are today?
1: Nope, not where I am today. I well, transition fully. I, I worked for them full-time for five years. And then after the IPO, decided that I wanted to take that experience and uh, building a marketing team. I've defi- uh, Essentially, I built out their product marketing function for that business, took all of their major products to market uh, prior to IPO, and then wanted to take that experience and go to a smaller team and try to do the same again.
0: And so how did that go, that transition? And all? well, let me ask you this. How big was the team you were at? So you went to a big company. You went no.
1: We were, when I joined, we were 150 people. And when I left, we were just over 800.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And did you work with them or were you long distance or? No, I was a,
1: yeah. Full-time employee worked. They had an office here in Montreal. And so I worked, yeah, worked full-time for them.
0: Yeah. And did you have a team? What did you do?
1: Yeah. So I started actually in the product team because even though my schooling was in marketing, I really wanted to deeply understand how the product works and why it was built the way it was and so i decided to go in product which was a and i also was just up for the challenge to do something that i didn't know anything about but through that you, I ended up you trans-
0: decided to go into product what does that mean
1: so product management is essentially the team that's responsible for developing and coming up with the concept of what products they bring to market so i was within that team and then shortly after realized there was a a gap between what we were developing, what we were selling and what we were marketing. So I really wanted to be the person to solve that. And so I went to the CEO. What do you mean the
0: gap? What do you mean a gap? "Mm, I don't
1: think at that time they were doing a very strong job at articulating the value of their products to their customers. And so I felt that there was a way in which we could learn to talk to those customers in a better way to help them understand that value, purchase more quickly, and ultimately get more benefit out of the products that they were developing and that was that sits in a, under a role called product marketing which is essentially taking the product and bringing it to market in a way that resonates with customers and so i started by myself ultimately beginning being that function and that ultimately led me into the marketing team uh, where i grew that that team and was responsible for bringing new products to market so if we kind of came up with a payment solution I was responsible for coming up with the go-to-market strategy of how do we launch that to the market.
0: And how big of a team did you have or did you?
1: When I left, we were four.
0: Uh-huh. And so yeah. what did you learn from that experience? But you had already been working with teams before. I mean, you know, from your synchronized skating mm-hmm. to partnership in that, but also, you know, in the competitions. How many people were in the competitions You that... Uh, of the speaking, uh, not the speaking, the problem-solving mm. competitions. How many were on those?
1: Yeah, our teams in the the case competitions were usually three to
0: four people. Yeah, so yeah, yeah working the with size teams, of a group. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that the biggest thing I learned actually was that not everyone is as intense or as has a competitive nature as I do, and oh. so that was a big learning for me. as I became a leader and started leading a team of people to execute was really refining the way that I interact or expect other people to perform and learning to be a leader rather than a doer. Um, And how does that,
0: how is that? that Hmm. You you figured out how to deal with other people and interact with them and lead them them instead of doing it.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. It took a lot of like self-regulation, if you will, actually, I'm a very competitive person, but I'm not competitive with other people. I'm competitive with myself. And so I have very high expectations of, what I would classify as a high quality level of delivery. And so I really had to tap into starting to understand the motivations and intentions of others. And those are very different depending on who you're working with. And so I had to do a lot more listening and a lot more trusting actually of building a relationship with the people who worked for me, understanding what makes them tick, what makes them really motivated to do great work. How do I get underneath the thing that they want to actually achieve and help them achieve you that. Actually that path. Were
0: thinking about, you were actually thinking about things like this to get your team. Like, how can I get them?
1: Yeah. Because I thought about how did I get to where I did? And that very, was by tapping very, into my coaches or even just myself tapping into what motivates me, what, what drives me. And so instead of trying to just like force the team through and to push hard and to have a lot of effort, it was like, okay, okay. This isn't working. How do I look at each of them as individuals and understand who they are as people and what they want to achieve and how do I help them achieve that? And that is what helps people be more internally motivated, ultimately.
0: Yeah, which is a t- totally different skill than what you had done before, which is like even in the competition problem solving type things, that's like coming up with ideas. But now this is working with people. And totally. folks, what we're seeing here is in are hearing is a championship athlete with championship skills and middle process is now taking that into the business world and getting established and working through the kind of problems skills they need to develop situations that really never came up before and have that what you're bringing everywhere you go is you and uh how you go about things and you know you develop that in the process of becoming the uh, championship skier and it's interesting for people to uh have been through that process to kind of trust your own instincts because that's go with what got you uh Mm -hmm. uh, to the top and successful before go with those things but use them to deal with a new situation and plow through it and not just make it through, but come out in a top position on the other side. And so as you left, so is that the main thing you learned for working for this bigger company, this uh, unicorn, billion-dollar unicorn in tech? that
1: the main thing I learned. I learned a lot just from actually from a marketing perspective, so from like a technical like, perspective. Like, oh, boy. The way that they thought through the customer journey of bringing someone in from Uh, having an idea or having a problem all the way through the funnel. I think that was a pretty revolutionary way that they thought through customer journey, having someone... So the marketing team was really responsible for driving the funnel, driving all the the pipeline of business into the engine, having a team that then qualifies them, making sure that they are really the right fit for the business and the products that they create, having a very, very skilled sales team that then responsible for converting that sale onboarding team to make sure the customer uses the products to make their first dollar and then continuing with the customer success team. So they were really, really thoughtful about the whole process from start to finish on the, that customer journey. So that was something I learned a lot about their The culture within that business at the time was really focused on winning. They were a high performance. They were very demanding and it really drove people to get the most out of themselves. And so I saw what it felt like to be part of a company that had very, very strong culture.